We're uh, live on ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com. We are live on YouTube. Hello to my friends out there in YouTubeville. We are now in just one second going to be live on Facebook Live. And then we will be live on three platforms once again for the first time since last Wednesday. We are now live on three platforms, ladies and gentlemen. Good afternoon. This is Living on a Thin Line with Tony Visick. I am Tony Visick. We come to you every day at 2 p.m. Uh, Arizona and Pacific Standard Time currently. Uh, we are your daily distraction of all the anger, anxiety, weirdness, and hoopla going on in the world today. We come to you on three platforms, ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com, uh, solely for your listening pleasure, YouTube, where you can watch or listen. You can actually turn the picture off and listen, and Facebook Live, where you can watch and listen. So we are here on these three platforms up. Uh, for the first time since last Wednesday, I was traveling, ladies and gentlemen. I made it back to one of my favorite cities in the entire world, one of my favorite cities in the entire universe, Los Angeles, California, where I was a resident for 30 years, and it still feels like home to me, just like St. Louis still feels like home to me, uh, although my home now is in the greater Phoenix area. And when I came home yesterday, I went, oh my goodness, I am home. Uh, I got guests in the studio today. The guests include Roscoe, my dog, who's sitting around going, when are we going for a walk? What's going on? Uh, my grandson, Sullivan, uh, and of course, the producer of the show happens to be my wife, Shirley Lovisic. I also have a bobblehead as a guest too, so things are right back on track. We did do, I did do one show from Los Angeles, just holding the phone on Facebook Live. Uh, it didn't meet my high standards, so I decided just not to come back on until I could come home and be in the studio. What shall we talk about today? Uh, since I left Los Angeles last Thursday, the big conversation, of course, on Thursday was the presidential debate against Vice President Joe Biden, Biden and one Donald J. Trump, uh, where in my estimation, Donald J. Trump turned in a pathetic and pitiful performance and showed us everything that a commander-in-chief, a leader, a mentor, uh, a person of great responsibility should not be. He was rude, lewd, and crude, which is great if you're partying in a field and getting drunk. And you know what? There's a time and a place for partying in a field with your shirt off, go, yeah! And I had that time and place as a young man, but it has no place once you have to put on the tie and to take on the office of the most powerful person in the world uh, presiding over what up until now, so far, has been the greatest and most fortunate nation in the history of the planet. That was the big news when I left. But that all changed. That all changed when Donald J. Trump came down with coronavirus. Not only did he come down, his wife came down with it. Not only did he come down with it, his former communication director, Kellyanne Conway, came down with it, and she gave it to her daughter, his current press secretary, Kaylin McInerney, whatever her name is, she came down with it. Three United States senators, all Republicans, came down with it. We don't know about cooks, chauffeurs, drivers, Secret Service people, people who toil by the sweat of their brow in the service of oftentimes arrogant masters who have no choice but privation or risk, who may have come down with it. And now we see that the man has checked himself out of the office and decided to stand on a balcony like Benito Mussolini 
waving to his adoring throngs, although there were no throngs there. It is a pitiful display of tin pot democracy that I never thought I would see come upon these shores. I did not think that George W. Bush was a smart man. I thought he was riven by passions and riven by resentments and prejudices. And I'm not talking about African-American white prejudice. I'm talking about prejudice in general. That he was riven by them, that he would be easily swayed, and he was easily swayed into a foreign war that was based on a falsehood and was useless and divisive and has helped lead to a... uh, uh, imbalance in the world today, along with the death of thousands and thousands of people, Americans and Iraqis, Afghans, etc. I thought that Barack Obama did not understand that just being given the office did not then give you the power. The power had to be wielded, well, well, the power had to be taken, but we've had many presidents who understood that and wielded it, sometimes wisely, sometimes not. But in Barack Obama's case, it seemed that he thought that, that because he was elected president, that he would be then afforded the trappings of the presidency, and the Republicans never stopped once trying to deny him that. It's not to say it wasn't a good president. It was very good. He helped pull us out of uh, what was the greatest recession since the Great Depression. And no one can deny that. You can deny it if you're a liar. If you're a liar, you can deny it. I think that when the history is written, they will look back on this as one of the darkest days in the history of our fine republic. And like any large institution, republic, organization, group, you're going to make some horrific mistakes. But the greatness of the United States was always making up for those mistakes. The greatness of the United States was moving forward into the ideals that were expressed by those who were commonly known as the Founding Fathers, even though in their personal lives they sometimes were antithetical of them. This man is none of them. And now he has a virus, and now he's back home where he can infect others. And it is the height of stupidity, sadness, and sorrow to see it. Uh, But that's what I'm going to say on that subject today. Uh, I had an album picked out to uh, talk to you guys about. Um, and then I got the news just about 35, 40 minutes before the show that uh, Eddie Van Halen died. Now, if you are in your anywhere from 50 up, I assume, maybe 55 up uh, into your 70s, Van Halen was a, 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 a piece of your pop landscape for several decades. Um Van Halen came along uh, and burst onto the scene in the late 70s. And by that time, by the late 70s, um, um, I was kind of past that. You know, a lot of your rock and roll heroes are people from high school. Not that you went to high school with, but, you know. And uh, Van Halen did not quite uh, fit into a vertical of someone where I go, well, they belong in the same pantheon as uh, Cream or Jimi Hendrix or Bob Dylan or the Grateful Dead uh, or any of the bands that I came up with, but they were in a and they they burst onto the scene in a mighty way. They were the American dream embodied. They were what rock and roll is about. Because what rock and roll is about, what pop music really is about, what rap music is really about, is that promise of the American dream that any boy can, that anybody can get rich in America. Eddie and Alex were immigrants to America from uh, the Netherlands. 
Their mother was Eurasian, uh, part Indian and part, uh, uh, part European and part, uh, uh, I believe, from Indonesia. Father was Dutch. They came here in 1962. Eddie Van Halen is the same age or was the same age. Sad to have to say it like that now as me. And through the sheer ability to be able to press his fingers down on a guitar, he was able to go from what was good, probably going to be a comfortable middle-class existence. His parents were smart. They came here with nothing, but they did have uh, intelligence, and they did have drive, and they did have ability. So possibly a middle-class existence, possibly not, to become one of the most famous people in the world. That's what rock and roll's about. That's what comedy's about. That's what rap is about. That's what acting in movies and on TV, TV shows is about. It's about anybody can. It's about someone who, uh, uh, Jay Leno is a dyslexic. I'm not telling you any secrets about Jay Leno. Jay Leno admits he is dyslexic. He can't read very well. He went on to be the host of one of the most popular television shows, one of the most important television shows, The Tonight Show, for 14 years, along with being uh, the very embodiment of what a stand-up comic was in the 70s and 80s into the 90s, and still even now, if you go see one of his shows, you're seeing a stunningly good show. David Letterman came from humble beginnings in Indiana and went on to become the host of one of the most influential shows in the history of American television, The David Letterman Show. Eddie Van Halen and his brother farmed a band when they were boys, and they became one of the most important pieces of the pop culture landscape during their time. Not only that, they were uh, the embodiment of what rock and roll is supposed to be. I will not go into great depth and detail today because I have an eight-year-old in the room with me as to what their lifestyle was. But the lifestyle desired by being a rock and roller, all the girls, all the parties, all the time, they, they lived it up. They burnt the candle at both ends, melted the wax, and they lived fast and hard and fun. They never stopped having fun. They did have that dark side. Eddie did not really care for David Lee Roth because David Lee Roth kind of stole all the limelight when Eddie was the consummate musician. But man, did they leave a trail. Even when they, uh, David Lee Roth left and Sammy Hagar joined, which, by the way, my all-time favorite Van Halen song is uh, Why Can't This Be Love, mainly because of the opening. You know, it was stunningly good. Stunningly good. David Lee Roth, Eddie Van Halen continued a great tradition in American rock that was really began by Lennon McCartney, two frontmen in a, uh, a small combo who stand out, but really crystallized with Keith Richards and Mick Jagger. The lead singer jumping around like a sex symbol, sex status, uh, uh, man god while the lead guitarist sitting there almost in in uh, mute arrogance pulling magic from the strings we later on saw that in aerosmith we saw it in aerosmith with joe perry and um steven tyler we saw it in guns and roses with slash and uh wow i even forget that guy's name all of a sudden you know but uh, time and time again, we saw that thing. That was the American rock and roll, the perfect archetype, all right? The mute, almost uncaring, arrogant, almost falling asleep on the stage, 
type of guitarist, although Eddie did run around a lot. Eddie ran around so damn hard, trying to go, look at me, I'm the one playing the guitar. I'm not playing the guitar, but David Lee Roth would pull all the light to him. They had their arguments, they had their fights, they had their disagreements, but the music they made, whether you liked them or not, stayed with you. It was ear candy, it was ear worm. And now, at what I feel is the far too early age of 65, Eddie Van Halen is gone. And just like that, in the blink of an eye, your youth begins to slip away and disappear. For those of us that lived in the rock and roll era, starting, say, from the Beatles moving forward, the rock era, probably ended sometimes around Guns N' Roses as far as the dominant form of pop music. For those of us that lived in it, we did go through first seeing... Uh, our band idols breaking up, the Beatles breaking up, etc. We did live, live through seeing men, primarily men, but sometimes women, Janis Joplin, for instance, leave the world, uh, Kevin Brown, Axel Rose and Slash. Thank you, Guns N' Roses. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Axel. We did live then through seeing uh, them dying uh, too fast, too soon. Uh, die, you know, live fast, die young, and leave a beautiful corpse, as so many of them succumbed to drug addiction and alcoholism. We did see that. But now we've entered the new era. Were those that just a blink and just, it seemed like just yesterday, were the young, vibrant animals prowling a stage, howling that wail that was created with that marriage of Scottish folk ballads and slave music brought over on slave ships and carried on by plantation workers in the Mississippi Delta. That marriage of those two music, those two types of music, couple other things that became rock and roll and morphed into rock we are now beginning to see those who were our youthful heroes pass from the vagaries of age and time so uh we will miss eddie van halen greatly i don't know i mean am i gonna miss him am i gonna miss eddie van halen i you know i i wasn't ride sharing with the guy i was like damn who else is gonna drive on wednesdays wasn't that. He wasn't over Thanksgiving, you know? Um, the closest I ever got to, uh, I saw him once at a Toys R Us in Canoga Park when he was married to Valerie Bertinelli. I saw those two shopping for toys. And I was friends, uh, not like, like she and I were friends, but in a circle of people I was with, with uh, um, Alex Van Halen's, one of his wives was in a circle I was with, and I went to a dinner party at her house one night and sat at a table with Gabriel Byrne. So it wasn't like, I'm going, man, what am I going to do now? Can't call Eddie anymore. And the music that they made is music from the 70s and 80s that I will, and somewhat of the 90s that I will remember. So my condolences to the family of Eddie Van Halen. But that what Eddie Van Halen left us to remember him by does not need to be missed. It is here with us. I, on the other hand, do not have any Van Halen albums. Was a big fan of the band. I tell you, I tell you one other Van Halen story. Okay, um, in my youth, much like Van Halen, I never wanted the party to stop, and I lived in Hollywood, where there was always a party somewhere. Unlike New York City, where bars are open all night, the party happens in people's houses. Party happens, you know, down the road. You got to know a guy. Uh, uh, but in the early 80s, we saw the rise once again of something that was known as the after-hour joint. 
So the drinking, the time that bars have to close in Los Angeles is 2 a.m. 2 a.m., which means they're running you out by 1.30 because they don't want to have people still in there with a drink in their hand at 2.01 because you could lose your liquor license. So you ran out of the bars. You ran out of the Rainbow and Barney's Beanery, Mom's Saloon in San Vicente, the Hard Rock Hotel down off of La Cienega, every place and a dozen other, a dozen other watering holes that I, uh, um, um, uh, hold on one second. Don't do that. Uh, you know what he was doing? He's eight and he's throwing like a Lego up in here and catch it with his mouth. And he's going to swallow it. You're going to swallow it. You're going to swallow it. And I have to interrupt my show to tell you not to do that. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw it go in your, I saw it go in your mouth. I saw it go in your mouth. Uh, Jay Sloan's was another one of those great bars. And Jay Sloan's was another one of those great bars where my brother Jerry and I uh, slung drinks and other elixirs for many a year. But when the bars would close, those of us who wanted to continue on, those of us who got up at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, so by 1.30, it was just, it was like 6 o'clock in the evening for a lot of you. Uh, there was something called the after-hours joint, and they were um, usually in places that were abandoned or empty, okay? And people would go in there, they'd have a key, and it would just be, there'd be nothing in these places, like the whole top floor over a retail outlet. This particular place, let's get to it, was over the entire top floor of a retail outlet right over in Cherokee Street, Hollywood and Cherokee. And it was empty. And they'd run up there with some barrels and then put some two by fours over the top of the barrels. And you paid 15, 10 or 15 bucks to get in. And then you bought cans of beer. They were just those white cans that had the blue label on said beer for five bucks. And you could still party for four or five in the morning with a large mixing group of people. And I was there with two buddies of mine who both used to play for the uh, UCLA uh, uh, football team. And Eric Snyder, I think. And we were coming out around daylight, deep into our cups. But the place was still open, but we were leaving, probably to go get uh, breakfast at Norm's, some 24-hour joint, some real, some real 24-hour restaurant, diner. Norm's, by the way, was uh, featured in Pulp Fiction, and I used to eat breakfast at that place, and sometimes conduct business there. Um, and coming across the street with two ladies was a blonde-haired guy with a baseball cap, who we recognized as... One David Lee Roth. And I was pretty drunk and I was pretty high and I was pretty surly. And I said, I go, watch this. Watch this. <laughs> and he's walking across and went, hey, man. He went, hey, man. And I grabbed him by his lapels and spun, spun him around and shoved him up against the wall of this brick building on Cherokee Street, about a half block off Hollywood Boulevard, looking right in the eye. He went, everybody wants some. I want some too. <laughs> Have a good time, man. And he went, yeah, yeah, and walked away. A totally idiotic thing to do, a stupid thing to do, a rude thing to do. I could have went, hey, man, uh, uh, like your band. Uh, hey, cool songs. Hey, David, party money. Get into that. But I thought it was funny to do that. But that was my one interaction with David Lee Roth. Interestingly enough, one of the people I was with uh, who had played for uh, UCLA when he did not get drafted by the NFL, uh, turned down a contact with the Canadian Football League and became a bodyguard for David Lee Roth. And if my friend Steve that night had been David, Lee's, David Lee Ross' bodyguard. I'd be telling you the story through a face like this because he probably smashed my skull. So I'm sorry for Eddie Van Halen's family, okay? Uh, but the, all those albums 
uh, Far Unlawful Carnage Knowledge, 5150. All those songs, they're still going to be with us. You can still play them, okay? Because rock and roll will never die. Hey, a couple things to tell you about before we move on. I could go on and on about Van Halen. They got a lot of stuff about them. I thought that they were the beginning of... Um, but they brought about what I thought was a problematic change in rock and roll. Up until Van Halen, the lead guitarist solos were definitely connected to the rhythm and melody of the song. But Eddie Van Halen brought a new style and technique that was much more technical wizardry than melody. And therefore, kind of changed it from everybody being one to copy Eric Clapton and Jimmy Page, one to cap, copy him. And that, that probably epitomized itself with people like Steve Vai, you know, the kind of guitarist that was made fun of in Spinal Tap, kind of guy just going, ah, 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 ah. so that was always my problem with Van Halen, that uh, there was no connection to the melody, no connection to the root, to the bowels of the song. So uh, I just got the 10-minute sign. So if I want to talk about anything else besides Van Halen, then I have to go on to uh, something else. And I just got to look, too, like, why are you talking about Van Halen for 20 minutes? Um, what's that? You didn't tell them about the bobblehead. That's right. We have a new bobblehead. Now, in the interim, when the show was on a hiatus between Thursday and today, the producer of the show, doing the job as a producer, went out and found a brand-new bobblehead. There he is. His name is Chris Young. We don't really care about Chris Young. We care about the bobblehead itself. This, like many bobbleheads, like Roman statues of old, is missing the bat. And it's missing the, um, you can't see it there. You can't see. You can see on the base, something else is torn off as well. Okay. But why would we buy a bobblehead? Still fairly intact. The head bobbles. That's what's important. Okay. Uh, the paint is not scratched, paint's not torn. Why would we buy a bobblehead that had parts missing? Because uh, why? Because the main part is basically just a bobblehead. The main part is mainly a bobblehead, but it really proves the people who we are. Yes. For those of you who say that we are bobblehead collectors, we are not. You gotta remember what our organization is. We are bobblehead rescue. We rescue the broken and discarded bobbleheads in America today. And give them a safe and wonderful home with a group of other bobbleheads that when I'm asleep at night, they all come alive and talk to each other. Okay, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe. It's not Toy Story. All right. So this bobblehead of one Chris Young, though missing a bat and with a broken base, and let me show you YouTube friends, okay, has been rescued by the ComedySchools.com gang. And now he will be guarded and he will be honored for time immemorial. Because we are not bobblehead collectors. We are rescuers. Bobblehead rescue. We can get that Sarah McLaughlin to sing a song for us. That'll be pretty cool. Hey, a couple of fun things coming up. I want to tell you about, ladies and gentlemen. This Friday night, this Friday night, 7.30 p.m., Class Clowns, the longest-running comedy a showcase in the Valley of the Sun. That's the greater Phoenix area. Will take place live on Zoom. Live on Zoom, Class Clowns. Uh, those tickets for that show are absolutely positively without a doubt absolutely free if you would like to get a zoom code to be able to attend that show please uh leave me a uh email here in the chat or email me tony visig at comedy schools at hotmail.com or uh messenger me on facebook then sunday afternoon at 5 p.m i'm getting you know i'm getting like a weird thing with my uh, phone here 
I was breaking up a little. Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. at JP's Comedy Club, 860 East Warner Road in uh, Gilbert, Arizona. Uh, We will have a live in-person class clown show. Tickets for the live in-person show, only $15. So if you're looking for something fun to do on a Sunday and still be home in time to make it to bed on time so you can get up Monday because you're a responsible person, then you... If you're in the greater Phoenix area, just drive over to a JP's Comedy Club. JP's Comedy Club is Phoenix's latest comedy venture while others are closing and going away. JP's is opening and we are getting ready, getting prepared. Right now, seating is safe, social distancing, masks are required. But if you have the compulsion and the need and the desire to interact with other people in a slightly larger group than you have been, JP's is the place for you. And we're getting ready for the eventuality of this pandemic being over and be able to sling the doors wide open and man, will we have a mighty time then. So we're going to have fun for you. We've got that this Friday, free show on Zoom. Sunday, live show, $15 JP's Comedy Club. Also, if you ever thought about doing stand-up comedy, I got a free intro to my beginning workshop starting next Tuesday at 6 p.m. and Monday as well. Okay, find out about all of that by going to comedyschools.com. All right. I think I've covered everything I could today. We talked about uh, one Donald J. Trump. I told you about my little uh, vacation. I didn't really tell you about my time in Los Angeles. I'm going to tell you about that tomorrow, about uh, the love affair I still have with uh, that great city, Los Angeles, Uh, the sadness I felt over some of the things I saw, but also the optimism I had knowing uh, how things can. Today, I told you my little Van Halen anecdotal stories. Uh, last night I watched some of uh, Mike Binder's documentary on the comedy store. Uh, I've got a lot to talk about about that. All good. I'm not going to say anything bad. It's a, it was a wonderfully, uh, uh, nostalgic and poignant and, uh, kind of heartbreaking show for me to watch. We'll be talking about that this week as well. All right. I think that's it. You guys, I think I'm done for the day. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sticking around. Thank you for, uh, uh, allowing me the indulgence of being off for a few days, but now we're now we're back, and I will be back tomorrow at 2. All right? What's that? 35 We have 35 bobbleheads. This is breaking news at ComedySchools.com. Occasional guest host Sullivan Ramirez has now announced officially that we have 35 bobbleheads. I am 65. I have 35 bobbleheads. I will not rest. We more. We have more. All right, you know what? We'll have the official count tomorrow, okay? Yeah. Okay, we'll have the official count tomorrow. All right, say hi to everybody on Facebook. Say hi, say bye. 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 All right, we'll see you tomorrow. You've been watching Living on a Thin Line with Tony Visick. Bye-bye.